Hey everyone, my name is Yaro, and you're listening to the Daydream Rules podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. You might hear my little dogs in the background. I'm recording this on November 5th. It's Thursday evening in Scotland, and we're still waiting for the final results of the election in the US. There's a lot of feelings, and I don't want to go too deeply into them because I don't know. I don't think that I have anything important to say at this point but I thought while we're waiting I was gonna send an episode your way and the one I chose I have a few really beautiful episodes recorded already um, and so the one I chose for the day is with Mimi Young and we talked about so many beautiful things I really love Mimi's approach her integrity and wisdom and experience and so yeah I hope that it will bring some joy and comfort and Maybe something to lean into as you listen. We talked about connecting to spirit, but also about what it means to move through this year with grounding and integrity and what solitude means to us, how we nurture ancestral connections and what it might look like to heal the witch wound. So yeah, enjoy. Just a few announcements from me. Um, in case you haven't heard yet, I'm extending the DREAM program. So DREAM was initially just a six-week writing program where every Friday I'm emailing you um, a few journaling prompts to work with and then on Saturday um, we're meeting for a 45-minute live session on Zoom to look at those. And that's been such a joy and comfort and anchor that I'm offering those Saturday sessions all throughout winter to all patrons. So you can pledge at any level you like and then you can drop into the Saturday sessions and you can either work with the journaling prompts that I'm offering, you can do some other writing or you can do another kind of creative project like knitting or watercolor painting or playing with pottery, like absolutely anything you like. We'll do a little sweet check-in in the beginning and then we'll light candles and drink tea and just quietly work together and then check in again at the end. And yeah, those sessions have just been so beautiful and given me so much accountability to stay in an active process of making and creating and being together and, you know, seeing other faces and talking about how things are feeling um, in a really simple way. I don't want to offer another big course or something that kind of includes a lot of content or stuff to learn. I think that's not what I need right now. I just need togetherness and space to create so yeah um please consider joining us if you like otherwise i am yeah also kind of getting ready to hibernate it's getting really dark here in scotland and i'm kind of alternating between feeling like yeah this winter is just gonna be a really long pyjama party by myself and panicking about how lonely that's gonna be so I think both is true. As an introvert, I am okay with solitude and I think I can be with myself and I have a lot of creative projects that I want to explore, but I also miss my friends a lot and just being in person with people and hugs and yeah, the ease of just kind of jumping on a train and going to meet someone or going to a gallery or something. So I think it will be even more sweet when those things come back. I think that's all I have to say for now. Thank you so much for listening. 
Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me for another interview episode. As you know, I like to begin with a little giggle and this interview is no different. I'm really happy that my friend Erin Johnson has put me in touch with Mimi Young, who I'm talking to today. And when I first received the email with all the different things that we could talk about and I listened to other episodes with you, I felt like yeah, I couldn't believe that I hadn't reached out myself and just felt really excited to talk to you. Your energy is beautiful and I am excited to everything, yeah, to hear more about what you're offering, what you're doing in the world, how you are moving through this year. I think that's really interesting to me as well. So I'm really grateful you're here. Thank you so much, Mimi. I'm really excited. <laughs> Mm, thank you so much Hero for having yeah. me and yeah I can't wait to dive in <laughs> yes shall we maybe begin by you just telling us what you're doing and how would you describe your work mm. so I'm a Taiwanese Canadian shamanic intuitive uh, my work I would say uh, to a certain degree is helping people if I were to totally sum it up is to help people connect with the spirits around them so that might be their ancestral spirits, it may be plant spirits, animal spirits, it may be loved ones that have passed on um, that are not necessarily ancestral, um, and just to relate with the world through uh, the lens that all contain and are energy and all are alive. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's beautiful. Thank you. I would love to also kind of situate ourselves in time and space a little bit because the beauty of podcasts is, of course, that we're listening independent from location and time. So we're recording this at the very end of August 2020. Um, I'm in Scotland, I believe. Are you in New York? I'm sorry if I got that wrong. I'm in Vancouver. Yes, yeah. Vancouver. yes of course. You told me that already. I'm really sorry. Oh, um, good. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I would love to hear a little bit about what this year has been like for you so far. And, like, what was your experience of the pandemic? Um, do you have access to nature still? How's it all feeling for you? Mm. Um, may I, before I answer that question, yes. I just want to sort of elaborate a little bit more about um, context of land and space. Uh, me being in Vancouver, I am on the traditional ancestral and unceded territories of the Musqueam, the uh, Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh uh, peoples. And um, I think in the context of this year, it has been even more about that. It's about really understanding uh, who we are, where we are, uh, our role in uh, what is happening and, and lots are happening. Um, and yeah, I, I feel that this year has been that invitation to, to really uh, just face if, if one hasn't yet uh, to just totally look at all of that um, like a reflection in the mirror. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's so true. Thank you. Yeah. Do you want to say more about your experience of solitude? Because I know you don't want to give too much away. I want to let you tell the story, but I know that you have so much rich experience already with really going inward and finding your own voice and accepting the limitations of being a little bit more confined, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So in terms of solitude, I, I feel like you know, um, for, for most humans, I think we tend to think that it's uh, physical uh, quietness away from other humans. 
Um, and, and for me, uh, yeah, I definitely can use that, uh, definition of solitude. Uh, but for me in many ways, you know, when I am in solitude, uh, with, you know, from other humans, I'm have just increased my sociability, uh, with uh, spirits, with non-human spirits in particular, such as, um, my, uh, you know, loving, uh, plant spirit friends, um, as well as animal spirit friends. And then of course we can also, we wanted to talk about this is now, you know, now in, in the context of human spirits, uh, this idea of really being able to connect to, uh, my great grandmother and my grandfather in particular, these are like two specific ancestors that I have beautiful, vibrant, very much alive relationships. Um, so yeah, so even though, you know, we may be, uh, you know, doing our very best to stay in our physical bubble. Um, I feel like it's been really fantastic for me because I've been able to continue this beautiful process of uh, being in relationship with so much more than what what we call life. Yes, that makes sense. Thank you for sharing. Um, you're speaking to, in your work and on social media, also to how you experience the intersection of what you're describing in your own practice and the wellness community in a wider sense. And I would love to hear kind of what that's feeling like for you at the moment and how so maybe how that has shifted this year or just generally what is important for you at the moment and the way that you show up and the way others show up. Mm, thank you for asking that. Um, I feel that this year, because so much has uh, come to the surface and um, for the first time, the collective is no longer able to deny uh, what has been happening and what continues to happen. Um, it's also brought up within me, uh, in some ways, a triggering of memories from, you know, decades ago of... Uh, that, that really do intersect uh, race and gender, let's say there, and to a certain degree, faith. Um, I say this because, for instance, uh, my mother, as a way for her to feel accepted and integrated um, as an immigrant um, in the West Coast here, uh, she had to leave her own faith, which is one of Buddhism, and uh, adopt a new faith, uh, which is uh, evangelical Christianity. And by being, by taking on a wider faith, so to speak, um, she also gained all the social uh, capital as well. Um, and so this year, it, it's really been about that, about who are we? Where do we come from? And what is our role currently, right now, in the context of all these things, of race and gender, and to a certain degree, classism, and spirituality, and how much do we understand here in the West uh, of East-based, Eastern-based practices that maybe are not actually showing up in the most authentic or most um, enriched form. A lot of it has been skewed or diluted or certainly co-opted in some fashion. Um, and it isn't really just spirituality. It shows up as food the amount of food that shows up completely out of context or it's been stripped away of its original meaning 
or it's, you know, how it shows up, let's say, in association with like, let's say, uh, the lunar festivals or uh, other uh, seasons within the year, um, big celebration, and so forth. And for me, I think, I just felt like it was time to to share more about this. I have been sharing about this, um, but I think even, you know, up to, uh, you know, this past uh, several months, I'm not quite sure if everyone was necessarily ready um, to really to, to walk with me through this and to to hold my hand and um, and for us just to talk. And so, yeah, so in many ways, it's been really emotional and I've had to, um, it's interesting. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm speaking w- right now with you named yarrow, but I've been really leaning into yarrow, the plant, because yarrow is a plant that really discusses about boundaries and energy, uh, uh, consumption and energy, uh, contribution. And so I've been learning a lot from yarrow in like, as I walk, it really needs to be one moment at a time, one day at a time. And I, I can't really, look too far because I don't know where I'm going to be in that point and nor will I know where everyone else will be. So yes, that that's definitely been the theme of this year for me. Yes, that makes sense. I love that you're giving yourself this grace around not knowing exactly what the next step will look like because it is such a moment to moment, breath by breath kind of journey at the moment, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should have asked this first. I'm sorry. I really feel like my brain is pretty nonlinear at the moment. It's just like, Ooh. I love it. <laughs> I, like but, that too. <laughs> um, I would love to hear if you want to share maybe how you first came to this work and like, what did you have an experience that really was opening your eyes where you felt like want to deepen and committing to this path or was it a gradual process or yeah, yeah I would just love to hear more about that. I would say it's all of the above. Um, and you know, for your podcast listeners, if they were to listen to my earlier recordings as a guest on other podcasts, they will probably, uh, hear that I share a specific event, um, which is around me being on extended bed rest for over five months while pregnant with my second child. But part of this 2020, it's really been interesting is how it's really opened up my own witch wound and me saying, actually, there's so much more to that story. And the story is that um, I have always been intuitive and I've always been an animist. And, you know, my earliest memories is playing with uh, tree and vegetable spirits in particular. <laughs> so I would speak to vegetables and I had names for them. And, um, and yeah, like, I mean, this is just how it was. And I was like either pre-verbal or just early, like, you know, newly acquired, uh, verbal. So I was, you know, around like two or three, right. Like very young. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, really it started then. And then throughout adolescence and into, um, early adulthood, um, uh, psychic smelling or clairofactants or intuitive uh, aromatics. I mean, there's like different terms for the same thing. It's being able to smell something that is not physically there, but the scent itself is carrying a psychic message. Um, And that was when I really was very aware that um, there was something uh, magical, uh, something that was, you know, supernatural that was happening in my life. And I didn't necessarily 
uh, know what it meant. Um, and remember by then my mother uh, was attending church and uh, it was really frowned upon, at least at that particular church, uh, to have these experiences. And so um, I, I just, I did my best to, well, start A, not talk about it. Uh, and B, um, I even was to a certain degree uncomfortable with, with it. I, I was like, what do I do? Like I, I, there's something about this. Um, I, I am drawn to it, but then there's this fear around it because part of it is if, you know, if you embrace it, would that mean I'm a witch? And back then that word had, a, had a huge, it was loaded. It was just, I had this huge, um, connotation that I wasn't sure if I was ready to take it on. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. I I would also love to hear more about how your relationship to the word witch maybe has changed and like, what does it feel to you now? Mm, yeah. Um, so, well, well, maybe it'd be helpful if I shared what it was to me before and what it is now, just so you can kind of see the contrast. So, uh, even before my um, mother began attending church, um, just for context, my father uh, also came from a Buddhist family, but he's more of an atheist, if, if anything. Um, so a lot of the spiritual impressions uh, that were left upon me um, really came from my mother. Uh, and so which, so in Mandarin, which is and the word is interesting because it really connects with what we use in English, everything woo-woo. Um, and, uh, but it, it encompasses magic. It encompasses uh, speaking with spirits and spirit traveling and casting spells and, um, you know, like sinking with the moon. Like it, it encompasses a lot. I mean, of course, it encompasses divination and energetic healing to a certain degree. And it's a word that to a certain degree is associated with the female. And so that was a word that, of course, you know, just like I grew up with it, even without the context of, of church life. Um, and then, even then, it was seen as a very powerful term. So one who was a witch would be very powerful, often um, frightening, not necessarily malicious, but just someone who you didn't really want to consult with unless you had absolutely no other option. And that was just sort of my first impression. And then when we walked into sort of, you know, uh, church uh, life, there were these additional layers that she is dangerous that she is in fact malicious she's demonic if anything um and that she would turn you away from the light um turn you away from anything that is good and healing and wholesome and um and loving um and you know if you were to dance with the devil so to speak you surely would be separated from god right like or the light and um and you'd be uh, cast into eternal suffering um so she was essentially that, that archetype, which was uh, one that I really learned to fear and avoid at all costs. And yet, I've always felt something deeply attractive about her, uh, but far too terrifying to to tread, um, you know, into her territory. Like, it was just not something that I felt... Um, a, I, d I didn't come from an environment where it was supported um, and you know, space was held for that. Um, 
And it was interesting because in sort of my, my process of coming into my own, of remembering who I am, um, it was her as an archetype that called me. And it was a descent. It was a descent to confront my own shadows, my own fears, my own demons. And it's interesting because it was the witch that, that liberated me and that, that brought healing to me. So now how do I define her? Um, I would say that she's someone who is deeply connected to her body. Uh, and by extension of that, deeply connected to earth, um, because body is earth and, uh, and earth is earth, um, and earth is body in many ways. And, uh, she's often someone who, uh, is, uh, perhaps misunderstood and disliked. But part of that healing process is realizing that you don't need to be liked by everyone. You don't need to pursue perfectionism. You don't need to, um, seek external validation. Um, and so for me, she's this beautiful agent of change, an agent of healing and, um, being okay that, uh, I may not be, um, you know, the right person for everyone and, and being totally okay with that. Um, and also knowing that, she is in many ways uh, the archetypal mother of us all if we would only respond to that invitation. Um, yeah. Yes, there was so much in there. I was just nodding along, which people couldn't see, but I was really feeling that I needed to hear that today. So thank you so much mm. for sharing all that. Thank you. I want to circle back to a word that you used earlier. And I want to say before I ask my question that I really have kind of no agenda around this. I'm just asking because English is my first language and I'm always a bit curious really as to exactly what this word means to different people. Um, so would you maybe also share what your understanding of animism is and mm. how, you know, like how do you relate to this word and concept at the moment? Um, yeah. Well, animism to me is relating to earth and realizing that humans are not central to existence. Um, humans are not the norm or the default. Uh, remember, we were the very last ones that showed up on this earth. To think that we're central is a bit of a joke. <laughs> But yet, we do this all the time. We will gauge the intelligence of an animal based on how many human qualities they possess. We will gauge uh, the usefulness of a plant based on how much physical medicine it can provide a human without understanding. Maybe, maybe the plant's function is actually not to provide medicine for humans. Maybe it's to provide medicine in another context, right? So it's interesting how we'll be like, well, this plant is useful because it's edible. Or this animal is useful because it can, you know, tow things. Um, that, uh, to me, reveals the, uh, the wound that we have inflicted on Earth and also uh, how much we have stolen of, um, we have stolen from ourselves the ability to, to just no longer have to be central um, to life and to see things with a complete surrender of ego and a need to be productive and the need for humans to be centered. So uh, for me, animism is a way of life where we can look at things without that lens 
of being human all the time. And I know that's, that's, that's difficult because a, we've been groomed. Um, we certainly, yeah, like, I mean, all of society has been groomed, at least in the West to view the world through the lens of humans being centric or humans being that top of the apex, excuse me, and everything else is, you know, is, 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 is measured, uh, uh, next to the, uh, the, uh, you know, these, these measures or these metrics of human. Um, but to be truly walking in the path of an animist is to take that off, you know, take that hat off or take that lens off and say, we actually, once again, we showed up last. So we really are the students here. And we need to know how we can fit in the greater picture rather than how the greater picture fits within us. Um, yeah, that's, that's sort of how, that's where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Again, I was nodding along and that felt so good to hear. And I think there's actually something so beautiful in that kind of humbleness. I don't know if that's a word, but you know, I feel like taking myself in my role as a human so serious is also burdensome and overwhelming and really complicated. And it's so nice to be like, yeah, I am here as a student. I mainly want to listen and see how other creatures and beings do things and how I can be in reciprocity with them rather than to be taking all the time, which if I think we're true and honest in our hearts of hearts is just a really awful feeling. Even if on the surface, it might appear as, the easiest thing to do sometimes it is actually really painful um in ourselves as well so yeah thank you for sharing that um another aspect of your practice that I'm really curious about is dream work so you're really you're excited it seems like about what happens in the night when we turn inward and close our eyes and so yeah I would love to hear a little bit more about that as well Mm. I find that you want to talk about productivity. <laughs> Here I am saying productivity is, is, you know, there, there's limits to productivity, but it's interesting how we are so quick to reach for our tarot deck or our Oracle deck. And I like those. I, you know, I, I consult um, uh, the energies from those types of decks all the time. Um, but really we are the Oracle. We are the oracle. We are the tarot. We don't necessarily need these things. They're amazing. They're helpful. Um, but our dreams provide the channel for those oracle messages to show up. And so for me, it's, it's just, you know, A, um, oftentimes I'll, uh, I'll cast a spell before sleeping and I'll say, this is what I would really love, uh, as a, as some guidance or some resolution. Um, and sometimes I may not, it's not like I do this every single night and I'll just go to bed. And more often than not, I will get answers. I'll get answers through during the dreams. And it may be, you know, maybe my uh, grandfather that visits me in the dream. It may be a scene is shown in a dream that um, when I wake up, I can interpret it and make meaning of it and make a decision based on the messages that came through. It could even be receiving energetic attunement while asleep. Uh, and that's what I mean by productivity because you're sleeping anyway. It's not adding any more time to your night or your day. It's, it's, but it's a highly effective way to 
listen, to tune into yourself, but then also to the greater uh, reality around us. Um, but it's powerful. It's so powerful and it's completely tailored to you. Um, and it's free. Like, I mean, I just feel like I'm not quite sure why there aren't more people that embrace this. Um, and all of us, all of us can access uh, the wisdom from our dreams. And I know that there are people out there that say they don't dream. Um, I would like to challenge that claim a few different reasons. A, some people define dream as a linear story or narrative. Um, sometimes they are, but sometimes it's just an impression. Be a word. It could be one image, um, and that would be enough as a dream. Uh, sometimes uh, medications can interfere with dreams, um, or uh, recreational um, drugs can interfere with some dreams. Um, so uh, I invite you, if possible, to uh, to just hold space for some sobriety. Uh, even if it's just for a short period of time. And there's no shame on those things. I'm just saying sort of it's nice to kind of enter into sleep with as as much of a neutral system as possible um, and just see what presents. And then the other piece is ask your body to be receptive to a dream. Sometimes we just create blocks. Um, we'll say, oh, I don't dream. Um, and then And then we wake up and we consciously don't remember anything. Uh, but yeah, so those are little tips I recommend to approach when, when approaching dream work. Yes. Thank you for that. It's beautiful. And I totally agree. Why aren't we doing this more when it's free and inside of ourselves and so beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I would love to hear a bit more about how you're working with people because you have a lot of different, really beautiful offerings with different practices and it would be great to hear yeah, how you like working with people, but also maybe how that differs to how you work by yourself or with yourself at home in your own space. Mm. Um, yeah, so I would say that there's three main offerings. Um, the first offering uh, is a skin and aura care offering where all the products are made um, in shamanic ritual. Um, I'm in trance and I'm inviting the spirits of the plants as well as their physical, um, uh, you know, the, the physical benefits of the plants to come through for the uh, specific client. Everything is made to order. So I don't have, you know, a storage of everything and I just sort of take things off the shelves when orders come in. No, I, I just, yeah, I wait. I wait for uh, the client to come forth and um, and it's, it's done in a very, uh, just in a very intimate fashion where it isn't really production. It's, it's, it's more of a ritual around making it. So that's one. Um, the, the two that I'm most excited about is helping people really be more directly engaging with spirits. Um, I find that the skin and aura care is sort of a step one or a really nice additional enhancement and support. Um, but uh, what I really love is to help people access the spirits through readings. So they will, you know, book online, enter in whatever question they would like, and I'll travel for them. I'll travel, uh, I'll spirit travel on their behalf, meet their spirit allies um, and I'll come back and I'll record everything down and then we jump on a zoom call where I share everything 
Um, and then, of course, whatever that may come up during the call, I may provide some additional uh, insight. And oftentimes, um, you know, like the spirits will share things like spiritual homework, like actual specific pragmatic things that the client can can you know engage in that can help them in whatever way that is related to the question. Um, so those are called remote shamanic readings. And uh, the other offering that I find um, the most effective, um, and it's definitely a much broader scope, is my mystery mentorship program. And this is done online. Uh, and uh, they can either sign up for one module or all five modules. But I essentially uh, initiate them into this program where they walk with me week by week online and we discuss everything that has to do with core shamanism, plant spirit healing, Chinese esoterics, uh, chaos magic, and more. Just basically what I do, um, you know, the day to day. And so I essentially invite them into my, my home, uh, via Zoom and I just share and they, you know, we have weekly assignments, uh, oftentimes between assignments, uh, they'll have additional, um, options to take on electives, um, which are, uh, courses from my on demand library. Um, and at the end of each term or each module, so to speak, uh, they have a chance to engage in a practicum with other peers in the program where they will practice on each other, uh, practice journeying for each other, practice reading for each other, um, interpreting dreams for each other, like just super fun things. So part of it is like you are growing in your intuition and you're growing in your magical and psychic abilities, but at the same time, you're you're growing in your capacity to trust other humans in this context of magic. And you, you create and you like each apprentice, like they are creating a spiritual family within the group. Um, and yeah, and I make sure that, you know, I keep it as accessible as possible. The tuition is sliding scale. Um, and uh, you know, I've, certain modules um, just depending on, who has contributed on the higher end of the sliding scale. I may have some extra reserve to provide for some partial scholarships. Um, and yeah, I like, it's, it's super fun. Yes. I will kick your ass sometimes um, because you know I'm not a love and light practitioner. I will make you ask those uncomfortable questions with yourself. Um, but it, it's, it's astounding how much, change I see in the initiates. Um, it's, it's palpable, it's discernible, it's noticeable, and they notice it with each other. And I would say most of them are just like pinching themselves saying, I can't believe it's only been X amount of weeks and so much has already shifted. Um, and it's them, it's them doing the work. Uh, all I'm doing is just sharing the wisdom and then they apply it. And so for me, it's, it's so exciting to, to see it in them and, uh, and to know that they're the ones that are healing. They're the ones that are changing the world. Um, and I don't know, it just gives me so much encouragement and hope. 
anyway, um, and yeah, lots of fun. Uh, you know, they, you know, a few weeks back, they were making their own ancestral foods and inviting their ancestors to show up, you know, at their dining room table and eating together. And lots of healings taking place through that, you know, healing sort of family lines. Um, yeah, so we, we do cover a whole wide range. We, I, I feel like the breadth and the depth are both important. Um, and it's a long a mentorship program. We started in May um, of this year of 2020, and we will wrap up uh, fall of 2021. Um, but because everything uh, is also recorded, uh, those who want to enroll later in the program, for whatever reason, they have that option to catch up. Um, and oftentimes, there's many that sort of enroll around the same time. So uh, oftentimes, not every time, but oftentimes I'm still able to assign them practicum partners uh, through, even if they are latecomers, so to speak, into the program. And it's just such a beautiful process to see the group grow together and learn together and start shedding, you know, the, the patriarchal and colonialistic mindsets that have even shaped spirituality. Yes, that sounds really beautiful. I was again just nodding along. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love seeing you like do that and smile. <laughs> yeah, um, and the last thing that you just said also leads me beautifully into my next question, which is around. Um, you mentioned in in your email that you are thinking about the the ways in which some aspects of spirituality need to be dismantled, and I would just love to expand a little bit on that and like how how you're seeing that and what that feels like for you right now, both, both kind of in out there ideas and also mm -hmm. most practically in your body and your practice. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, we can talk a lot about this. I'm so, so, I'm so excited that you asked this question. <laughs> okay. Well, let's start with the basics and we can kind of, you know, see where we want to take this. Um, I please interrupt me as we go along, because this is going to turn into a long monologue. <laughs> um, so I think first of all, uh, there's a sexism and ageism problem and racism problem within spirituality. If you look on Instagram, most, uh, you know, large spiritual accounts are white folks are young as in under 40 years of age. And, uh, there is oftentimes this, uh, when I say sexist, in, in some of them, uh, there's this guru culture that I know best and everyone else is, is you know, you shut up and listen, um, that kind of idea. And, and on top of it, there's these, this intersection because those, all those three things are not operating uh, separately from each other. They're operating all together. So there's that. There's also... Uh, this idea of the popularity club, right? So it reminds me of high school. Um, I actually might write um, a story on this on my blog just because I've written about so many other things. But it's this idea that uh, the very few that have made it to the top, which is so funny, the top of what? We're talking about spiritual practices here. It shouldn't be a triangle. It should be a circle. It should be, it should be lateral movement. And the circle should be widening, but instead it's a triangle and everyone's trying to scramble to the top and everyone on the bottom is feeding the top and maybe you move up the ladder, so to speak, but it is very much a pyramid. 
but the popularity or the popular group, they are no different than any other industry. There's just a few. Um, and oftentimes the content has been co-opted uh, and exploited and appropriated in ways where it really isn't very spiritual. Um, there's also the issue of bypassing that I see a lot, uh, where rather than being really honest and really responsible, responsible as in being accountable for your actions, there's these terms and platitudes and attitudes around it where you can just sort of love and light everything away, right? Like a magic eraser and everything's gone. But the fact is, is um, people are uh, not being paid right? Like, I mean, this happened to me. I've, I've worked, you know, or I've taught out of wellness spaces and I, you know, it took maybe like three months of invoicing and chasing them to finally pay me for an event. And, um, and I'm just like, well, what exactly is spiritual, what you're doing? What exactly is the good work? So to speak, when you can't show up in the most practical ways, um, in the most basic ways, just be accountable for your actions. Um, uh, but oftentimes there's this, this idea where, uh, maybe they talk a really good talk. Maybe they've got a really strong visual brand. Uh, maybe they have a really amazing marketing team. But uh, there's a, a significant lack of integrity in how they treat uh, the people um, that are uh, coming in um, as patrons or coming in as teachers or healers out of those spaces. And of course, I'm generalizing, not all places are like this, but it, it does happen way more often than it should. Um, in my opinion, if, if one claims to be in the wellness space or the spirituality space, um, there has to be zero tolerance for bullshit like that. Absolutely zero tolerance. Um, now, what else? Um, well, there's also this idea that if you've made it to the top, you are uh, invested in ensuring that no one else comes up to the top. It may mean that uh, there's no discussion around empowerment, which is really, I've, I've always felt, isn't that what spirituality is? One aspect of it should be, it should be about empowering people. But in fact, people are doubting themselves more and, um, or, uh, they're given a really watered down um, version of the real thing. And so they wind up dismissing that modality as this very, uh, I, I like to use um, low calorie version <laughs> of the real thing, right? Because that's really the issue. Um, so there's that bit, but then there's also the, there's, there's no helping. There's no uplifting of someone starting out and helping them experience uh, success. Um, and you'll see this in, uh, you know, I, I see this a lot in the West Coast where there, you know, there's scenes and there are all these people who are, you know, if, if you're in the club, um, it's not too different than, let's say, uh, any other, you know, high school context or Hollywood sort of context where if you're in the club, then you guard each other and give each other business. But you definitely don't expand the circle to include new people to include people uh, that maybe don't fit into that look or that race, that whiteness, so to speak. Let's just call it for what it is. Um, and so for me, I've, I've seen it, you know, in, in my own work and over the years. And I'm quite well aware that even though I offer, um, you know, a substantial uh, set of offerings, um, 
a lot of people are not necessarily interested in my work because A, I'm not white. B, I'm not under 40. And C, um, because I feel that uh, doing it right, doing it properly, learning these things um, slowly um, with more intention and care uh, is a better way to do it than just uh, start off really shallow and then burn out very quickly because I don't see it as a quick money sort of thing, uh, whereas a lot of these folks do. And so um, sort of that's in a nutshell. There's certainly a lot more I can go into, but these are a lot of things that we have to consider when unpacking uh, the current state of the wellness industry in the West. Yes, I was again nodding along and I resonate with everything that you said and see it too. And I'm really glad that you've named that and yeah, made the time to share your experience of what that can be like. So yeah, thank you. Um, before we go, I would love to hear what a typical day looks like for you because you weave together so many beautiful practices. I can see you have such a beautiful space that you're living in and I would just love to hear, yeah, like what do you do when you wake up or go to sleep or make a meal? Mm. Oh, thank you. I love that question. <laughs> it's, it just it makes me feel so human, right? Like, I mean, we all are. Okay, so um, I have two two boys and a partner. And so oftentimes the early mornings before uh, uh, the, the kids get up, um, we like to just start our day with our own sort of practice. Um, for me specifically, I, I like starting my day with tea. So I sit with tea, you know, it's an ancient medicine in my lineage. Um, and I'm sitting with tea uh, and tea is, you know, we're having a conversation together. Sometimes um, an ancestor or another spirit may sort of sit at the table with me and, you know, you, you do this the way you would do with friends or family. Um, after that, you know, after breakfast and all that, and the kids are sort of off to whatever their day's activity, um, then I will typically uh, either uh, begin work uh, through the context of providing readings or writing curriculum, or uh, doing other sort of operational business things. That's one of the three. And on get on any given day, it could be one or a combination of them. I find that depending on the season, and of course with COVID, there's had to be some adjustments with everyone being home and me having uh, the role of being the homeschooling parent. Uh, I've just had to sort of do things a little differently. But I would say for the most part, I do things in chunks of time and then in between I can help meet the needs of the family at the same time. Um, in terms of cooking, uh, cooking, I love cooking. It's, you know, my favorite part of the home is the kitchen. It's my favorite, favorite thing in the world is a clean, organized and full fridge. Um, and uh, I find that when I cook, it is an invitation to invite the spirits to cook with me. So we're, you know, it's, it's, it's very much of that sort of kitchen witch vibe where I'm cooking, I'm being very intentional of what foods I'm cooking with and knowing their specific energies, but then also inviting the vibrations of the spirits uh, or even my ancestors to show up in the kitchen and we can cook together. Um, but yeah, so I would say that maybe on the outside, it looks like my life is 
no different than anyone else's. Um, most of us do start off our day with either uh, coffee or tea or some type of uh, beverage. Um, and uh, But what's happening sort of on the inside is different. Yeah. I love that focus on what's happening in the inside because I think that is really something that I've come to treasure so much this year. I was just saying earlier to a friend that last year I would have maybe cared a little bit more about what my rituals look like or how complex they were, how many mm. elements I wanted to bring for, to, into them. But this year has really been about self-trust as well, about trusting that mm. I can ma bring magic and presence and intention to something, even if it's super simple with whatever I have available right now. So yeah, it's been really beautiful to hear about your day and how that plays out. Um, you've already mentioned the different things that you offer, but I would love to hear how people can connect with you and where they can find you online. Mm -hmm. So if uh, you're on Instagram, feel free to head to Uh, shop ceremony. Uh, ceremony is spelt with an I E at the end. Um, you can also head to my website, which is uh, shopceremony.com. And then you can just head into whatever area if you're interested in, let's say, the mystery mentorship or a remote shamanic reading or uh, the skin and aura care collection. And I have a fair amount of content in my blog and, you know, a little write up about who I am and. Um, you know, how it is that I, I operate, um, all that stuff. Great. Thank you so much. And we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Mimi, it's been really, really beautiful to talk to you. Thank you so much for everything that you shared today and for making the time to speak to me. Thank you. Mm, thank you so much for having me. Thank you.